We had two million of these Jewish people, you know, coming out of uh, Egypt, coming out into the Exodus, coming into where they would build a tabernacle, where they would meet with God. And by the way, they met with God on the day of Pentecost, the 50th day after Passover, the day of spring harvest. That's the day that Moses met with God on the mount. Fire came on the mount. Fire came around Moses and God appeared and the mountain shook and he declared and delivered his word to them, the word that set them apart and made them a sanctified people. So they come out and, 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 and yet they exist as a people who are familiar with the glory, they're around the glory, they see the glory, they even see the cloud of glory descend on the tent of meeting but yet they're not anointed with glory themselves. And God tries to tell them all the way through that story that that wasn't his highest and best. He tries to tell them all the way through that history, oh, that all would prophesy. Oh, that all would be anointed. Oh, that all would have that same power that was on Samuel, that power that was on Elijah, that power that was on Elisha, that same power that was on Joshua, that power that was on Moses, that power that was on every priest, every prophet, every king, that power that was on David. Oh, that all. It was God's will. And this is what God is saying all the way through this, is that I want all of my people to be anointed with power. This has been my desire from the beginning that my people would not be just a people who are redeemed or righteous or covered who have a right relationship with me but I want my people to be a supernatural people I want people to be a supernatural people even as Jesus walked as a supernatural one one who was fully anointed from on high I want every one of my kids to be ones who are anointed from on high, those who are supernatural, those who are tapped into a realm that is beyond the natural realm. God has this for you. And so he says to them, don't run off on your mission until the promise of the Father is sent. And the promise had been declared by the prophets. And you know one of the best passages for that is Joel chapter 2. Let's go over there. This is really challenging because uh, today uh, I'm, uh, I actually have to know where things are in the Bible. And, uh, you know, you get so used to your computer, right? And you can just type in Joel chapter 2, and you don't have to know where it's at. It just takes you there. Don't we love computers? Hallelujah. Can you still hear? Now, this is interesting. Joel chapter 2, uh, and it starts out that in the last days... And by the way, this is when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Uh, you're actually, and you know this from uh, Duane's Theology 101, you're actually not living in the last days. You're living in the glory days. 
So the last days, and of course we, we have to look at which dispensation we're talking about. When Joel wrote this by the inspiration of the Lord, he was talking about the last days of that dispensation or that time period. So that's why uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out just before the Mosaic system came to a close. The Mosaic system came to a close. The, ta the tabernacle, the temple, was destroyed. And the reason that the temple was destroyed and the tabernacle came to a close is because two new temples were inaugurated at that same time. One is your heart. You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And a second one was, was opened up in heaven where the ark is now seen, Revelation 11, and that is the new Jerusalem. So when the tabernacle was destroyed in AD 70, that was the official end of the Mosaic system, and it was the official end of what was called the last days. Everybody with me? You okay still? Boy, that guy got quiet, quiet right there. And it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and daughters, where am I? Joel 2, 28. Devin, did you go there? You all right? Well, you all got to trust that I'm reading the Bible today, don't you? And it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, on all flesh, on your son, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. I like it that the daughters can prophesy. Did you see this? That just didn't happen in the Old Testament. Anybody home? Isn't that cool? Come on, daughters. And there's a place for me. Your old men will dream dreams. Come on, glory to God. Your young men will see visions. Did you know that dreaming, dreams and visions are actually the outgrowth, even the sign and the manifestation of the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life? And if you're lacking dreams and visions, by the way, I would exhort you uh, to press in that you might make sure that you are under the spout where the glory comes out, that, that, you, that you have embraced the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that you've embraced the upon anointing that is beyond your salvation experience. It's beyond righteousness. It's beyond friendly relationship with God now. But it is, it's, it's because you've said, Father, anoint me now with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I want the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit. I want the fullness of your baptism. I want your upon anointing. I want what Joel prophesied. I want what Father uh, promised. I want you to baptize me, fill me, overflow me. These are all terminologies that are used to explain this that we're talking about. And we find in Scripture it's a subsequent, generally a subsequent to saving relationship experience. And by the way, it is an experience. Is that all right? Your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, even on the male and female servants. Wow. Father says, uh, there's no respecter of persons with this. I'm going to, uh, don't even think that some will be left out. Don't even think some will be left out. I will pour out my spirit in those days. Okay? So, now let's go over to Acts chapter 1 and 2, New Testament. Is that right? Acts chapter 1 and 2. More red letters. 
okay? So this is Father's desire. This was Father's desire from the beginning, and I think it ties into the kingdom of heaven. It ties into the kingdom of heaven life, the kingdom of heaven realm, the, the kingdom of heaven that is becoming the superior. By the way, the kingdom of heaven, the culture, I hear rumbles outside. There's a nice exhaust pipe coming in right now. The kingdom of heaven, the culture of the kingdom, the government, the government of the kingdom is becoming the predominant, it's becoming the predominant kingdom that we live in. It's good to get used to because Jesus is taking over. He's not taking over formally at this moment or at this time with some kind of a capital building. He's taking over through the rule and the leading and, and, and the influence of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of men and that's growing and women and that's growing across the planet. And this is what Daniel saw, just a, little, just a little history thought. This is what Daniel saw, and Daniel was told, seal up the vision until the last time, or seal up the vision until the end of time. Now, the, the end or the last that Daniel was to seal up the vision for, he was to seal up the vision for the end of that dispensation because so many things were going to be clarified and wound up and understood as we came to the end of the Mosaic period, which was AD 70. AD 70 was the end of the Mosaic period and the full launch of the glory kingdom that we live in today. The ever-expanding glory kingdom of Jesus, the growing kingdom of Jesus. Are you with me? Is this all right? Uh, Daniel chapter 2. Joel talked about this, and she talked about it uh, so eloquently that, uh, that these words about the kingdom of heaven, the words about the kingdom of God that we see Jesus talking about, he says in uh, Matthew 16, many of you standing here will see the, the, the kingdom of heaven. You'll see it launch with power. Uh, so much of what he talked about, uh, Daniel spoke of, Daniel spoke of seeing this one like the Son of Man came, coming up to the Ancient of Days. This is Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7. And he's like the rock. Uh, and, and he, uh, as a rock, will crush every other kingdom. And he talks about those four kingdoms that Daniel saw when Nebuchadnezzar had the vision. And the fourth kingdom was the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire, Jesus the rock, would smash into pieces the Roman Empire. And then his kingdom would begin. And his kingdom would never cease. It would be eternal. It would be everlasting. It would be a growing kingdom. And that's the kingdom that we're living in today, this growing kingdom. And the culture of the kingdom is a supernatural people. The culture of the kingdom is a supernatural people. You are meant to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. And it's not, it, 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 literally, uh, it's not hard for you to acquire. Uh, it's just that so many of us as Christians were never told to make the request. We're never told to make the request. Isn't that interesting? We're told to be born of the Spirit. We're told to make sure our sins are forgiven. We're told to pray. We're told to ask God. 
to forgive us of our sins. We're, we're, we understand salvation really well. We understand Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10 really well. If you believe in your heart, Jesus is your Lord, and you confess it with your mouth that you'll be born again. We understand so much about salvation, but we don't understand there is an anointing of power in addition to salvation that is yours for the requesting. It is yours for the asking. It is yours to come before Father and just ask and just ask. In fact, as Jesus talked about this, more red letters, he talks about it in John chapter 7. He talks about a generation. He talks about a people that will actually ask for the Holy Spirit anointing. And he says, if you ask your father for a fish, will he give you a stone? You know, if you ask your father for something, will he, will he trick you or give you something different? Even so, and even more so, won't Father, pour out upon you the Holy Spirit if you just ask. If you just ask. And this is what Father wants to do. He wants to pour out upon you the Holy Spirit. Let's go to chapter 1 of, of Acts. Is that all right? Uh, let's pick this up. And again, he's referring to this promise. This is Luke writing again. Luke wrote the book of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And uh, so here is what he's saying a little bit. This is the first account which I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So he's writing to a gentleman named Theophilus until the day when he was taken up, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? And so when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, the epods which God or the Father has fixed with his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remote part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was departing, behold, two men in white clothing stood before them. And they also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking at the sky? This Jesus who's been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you've watched him go into heaven. And so they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, all of it, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Now they went back, and for 10 days they tarried. For 10 days they prayed. And they didn't know that if they tarried for 10 days, that would be it. They didn't know how long they were going to have to tarry. They didn't know how long they were going to have to wait. They didn't know how long they would pray. But they, began, they continued to just get together and wait, and something crazy happened on 
the day of Pentecost, which was last Sunday. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. And we still celebrate Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost, Pentecost, it means uh, in the Greek, pente, meaning 50. The 50th day. On the 50th day after Passover, which God had been sharing this foreshadowing with Israel since Leviticus 23. Since the Old Testament. Since way back when he inaugurated these solemn assemblies, these sacred gatherings, when he gave them instruction, every instruction that he gave the children of Israel was a foreshadowing, a pointing to a greater revelation, a greater fulfillment that he would accomplish in Jesus and accomplish on our behalf. And so what he did with Moses on the 50th day, which was the Pentecost for them, which was after Moses' visitation by God on the mount, it continued to be a sign, a solemn assembly, a festival, wherein they would recognize spring harvest and the outpouring of God's word, God's abundance, God's blessing, God's power, God's kindness upon them, but they recognized it in what was glory on only one of them. Only one of them. When he came off of the mountain, it says when Moses came off of the mountain that his face was glowing with the glory of God, that his face was alive with the glory of God. His face was such glorified that he had to cover his face with a veil. That is a foreshadowing of the life that you are intended to live in the glory of God. That the glory of God is on you. The anointing and the supernatural grace and power of God is on you in such a way that people recognize the glory, that the glory is spilling out of you, that the glory is recognized in the midst of circumstance, trouble, difficulty, hardship, sickness and disease in such a way and in such a way that, that now, you know, the New Testament says in 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that it's not veiled, that it's not veiled, that your glory would not be veiled, that the glory that is on you would not be veiled, that you with unveiled faces would show off the glory of God. That's what he says, that you now with unveiled faces would show off the glory of God, show off the glory of God, show off the glory of God. That's the life he's intended for you. And he's intended this supernatural life. And Paul kind of talks about what that's like in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when he makes a list of the gifts of the Spirit. And he's recognizing, okay, this is what was poured out. This is what was poured out. Wow, we're getting an understanding now. This is what was poured out. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's, uh, should we go over there? Uh, let's go to chapter 2, first of Acts. You okay? I got a couple more minutes. I don't know how this happened. I, I got all this time to preach. Generally, I only have a couple minutes. Today, we have extra. Acts chapter 2, you okay? We have Angus burgers. I said, don't get the cheesy ones. Don't get the grease burgers. You know what I'm talking about? 
You put them on, you put them on the grill, and the fire just ignites, right? And when the fire is done, half of your burger's gone. Let's not get those. Let's make sure we get the Angus burgers. Let's, let's, get, the, let's get the real burgers because these, these people of New Horizon, they want the best. They need the best burgers. We even got some cheddar cheese for some of those burgers. We even have gluten-filled buns. Some of the best, some of the best, some of the best. Chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come and they were together in one place, suddenly, now this, I mean, this must have, I, oh, I just I would have been there. This must have just blown them away because here they are. They're gathered together. They don't even know what in the world's going on. They're praying, but actually, they're actually celebrating Pentecost. These are Jewish people. They weren't just like, Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. When do you think this is going to happen? I don't know. He's going to show up. I don't know. We're running late. You got more bottled water? I'm, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. They were actually celebrating Pentecost. They, were, they actually had something to do. This was spring harvest time. There was actually a formality to it that was explained in the Old Testament. So they were actually celebrating spring harvest. And they were celebrating the pouring out of the tablets, so you know, the carving of the tablets, and, and the, the pouring out of the Spirit upon Moses, and the glory that came on the mount. They're celebrating all this, and they had a host of songs that they sang about it. So this wasn't like some dreary dirge of a prayer meeting. This was like, they're celebrating, and in the midst of their celebration, all at once, a rushing wind filled the room where they were in, so much so that the wind was like that. <laughs> a rushing mighty wind, like a baby's cry, fills the room. And all at once, fire fills the room, and it disperses, and tongues of fire are on their heads. And they look, and they're like, whoa, what's up with you? Wow, sterno can right there. And they see this going on, and it's on the day that they're celebrating fire coming on the mount with Moses. Do you see this? Suddenly, there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews there in Jerusalem. Now by the way, all of the, all of the globe had come to Passover. They'd all come. Everybody had come. Uh, Jewish people dispersed all across the world from 70 nations had come to Passover, and they're all there celebrating, and they've, and they've hung out. This is the last festival. This is the last feast. Then they're going to go home. This is a 50-day vacation for them. And they've had from Passover until now, they've had multiple feasts and celebrations, and they're all stuffed into homes together, many of them using the same latrine, the same hair dryers, and the same paper towels. 
And they're squashed into their homes, right? And they're all lingering together. Same toothbrushes and camels. I mean, they're all squashed together. And here they are. And so on this day of Pentecost, though, they're all spilled into the streets, spilled near the temple, and they hear this going on. And it was happening at the temple, by the way. This was happening at the temple courts. And all of the noise and the rushing went, and then they see the 120 people who had been waiting in prayer. They see tongues on of fire on all their heads. And then the closer they get to them, they hear them all speaking in languages from where they came from. Not Hebrew, but some of them came from Ethiopia, some of them came from Asia Minor, some of them came from all sorts of languages. And they hear them speaking in these languages and they recognize, hey, that's my cousin. He doesn't know that language. Hey, what's he saying? And they hear them glorifying God with perfect praise and adoration. And they hear them glorifying Jesus. And they hear them declaring the Christ. And they hear them talking about the Lamb, the true Lamb. And they hear all of this stuff going on. One of the friends that we used to do summer camp with uh, years ago, I don't know if Joel, if you remember this story, but uh, when the Father Dennis Bennett was up in Seattle, and uh, uh, there was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit at St. Luke's in Seattle. Uh, one of our friends was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so then he went to a meeting one night, and they were having meetings like every night. And St. Luke's was just filled with all these people who were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they were receiving the anointing of the Spirit with supernatural power. And as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, some of that is to prophesy. Some of that is to heal. Some of that is to have the gift of faith. Some of that is the gift of miracles. Some of that is to be quickened with discerning of spirits and words of knowledge and, and words of wisdom. And so all of this supernatural power was all like on a vortex on St. Luke's up in Seattle. And uh, so my buddy went to church one night and uh, Father Dennis Bennett invited everyone to stand during the worship and just begin to pray in their spiritual tongue if they had received the outpouring of the Spirit accompanied with a spiritual tongue, which is a common thing to do for you to receive a language you haven't learned. And so everyone stood and, and they were all praying and he began to pray. And this is this was common in that day, and he's praying out loud. And uh, he notices two girls in front of him, and the two girls in front of him kind of nudge each other, and they start talking to one another, and, and, uh, and then you know, things go on. Pretty soon he brings it to a close, and uh, he has everybody sit down, and the girls turn around, and they say to my buddy, they say, do you know French? Because some of the languages we receive by the Holy Spirit as he pours out the anointing upon us, according to 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14, some of those languages are heavenly languages or languages of angels. Some are earthly languages, actually languages from common dialects here on the earth. And so he says, no, I don't know French. And they said, well, you were praying a prayer in perfect French. We are French students at the University of Washington. Now, St. Luke's is just right across the freeway from University of Washington. And he's like, cool. And, he's, and they said, well, do you know what you were praying? And he said, no, I don't have a clue. Well, it was near Passover time, and it was near Easter, essentially. And... Uh, 
And they said, well, this is what you were praying. And you were praying all of these. You were thanking God for the Christ and for uh, everything to do with his birth and resurrection and the crucifixion and everything to do with Easter. And he's like, I had no clue. But when you pray in your spiritual language, 1 Corinthians 14 says, your spirit prays, but your mind might not understand what you're praying. But many times, others around you might know, and that's what was happening on the day of Pentecost, is these from 70 nations were hearing these supernatural outpouring of the Spirit with these that had received the anointing, and they were understanding. And that's why 3,000 of them gave their hearts or acknowledged, 3,000 Jewish people acknowledged Jesus as the Christ that day. 3,000 of them, because they're like, if my cousin, if my cousin who's never learned Ethiopian, is speaking of the glory of the Christ and Jesus from Nazareth being the Christ, then this must be for real. And I want in on that which is real. Amen? Let's stand this morning. I want the band to come and help me close this morning. This story goes on and on. There's more to say than I've got time to say. And we've got Angus Burgers. More and more throughout the book of Acts, people came to the Lord, gave their hearts to the Lord, and then there would be a distinct outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon them. It happened in Acts chapter 10 and 11 with the household of Cornelius. It happened in Acts chapter 8 and 9 with Simon, the sorcerer who was led to the Lord. And all of Samaria actually was ministered to by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, it happened in Acts chapter 19. And, and so this happened time and time again, where people would come to the Lord, and they would have that saving experience, but then they would be introduced to the promise of the Father that you are supernatural people, that there is a distinct anointing of power that you can request, having come to know the Lord, and the Father wants to pour out this power upon you. Heads bowed, eyes closed, all across the auditorium. I want to invite you right now. I want to invite you to go deeper in Him. We're told in Ephesians chapter 5 that this, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is an ongoing. And, and there in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, but be baptized, be immersed, be filled, be freshly inebriated in the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time event, but it's an ongoing outpouring of the Spirit that God has ordained for us. And God is inviting you to live, not just as one who is saved and forgiven and born in the Spirit, but God is inviting you. Our Father is inviting you to receive the promise that He's promised you, that you would be a supernatural one, that you would be anointed of the Spirit, that you would be filled and baptized, that you would be ignited, that you would be lit up, that you would have the fire of Jesus upon you in such a way 
that your unveiled face could not hold or restrict the glory of God. That wherever you go, you don't just carry the hope of good news, but you carry the power of heaven. You carry the power of this increasing kingdom, this increasing kingdom that's going to grow and fill and flood and overtake the whole earth. So even where you're at right now, would you just begin to request? Oh, so many times I think we don't have because we just don't make the request. So Father, we even now begin to make the request that you would anoint us with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you would pour out upon us, that you would pour out upon us the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you would pour out upon us, that you would meet us, that you would quicken this time, even this season, that you would quicken this, this our own lives, that we would not, that we would not park, that we would not limit, that we would not halt, that we would not in any way just camp around salvation, but we would come fully into the sonship of the supernatural that you've ordained. I ask you to bless these people with this revelation. I ask you to meet these people with this truth. I ask you to pour out upon them a richness as they look to you, as they make a request, as they bring it to you, as they tarry in their own prayer life, as they tarry in their own prayer life, that you, Holy Spirit, would meet them and that the richness of your anointing, the richness of your power would come to every single person here in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Let's not leave this where we're parked. Let's not leave this where we're parked. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to just cultivate this. We're going to worship as we go. We welcome you to hang out with us. But you are carriers. You're meant to be carriers of His glory. Amen. Bring this that we're talking about today. Bring it into your prayer life. Bring it into your morning devotion. Bring it into your driving. Bring it into your time. Turn, turn off talk radio. Turn off this and that. Turn off Facebook a little bit. Turn on God book. Allow the Holy Spirit to be rich to you. Amen. Welcome his richness. God bless you, church. We love you. And we're heaven's creations. His pride and adoration. Treasures woven by his love. And his careful hands, they hold us safe within his promise of calling him up. Hold you sing it out again. And we're heaven's
Surely 